Hey there, Paisani. We're in the dog days of summer, but summer plus Italy equals Media Set Italia. Experience an Italian entertainment getaway on DirecTV with all the newest drama, variety, news, and entertainment from Media Set Italia. Get Media Set Italia a la carte for $10 a month plus taxes or Italian Direct Package for $20 a month plus taxes. Call 877-778-4794 today. That's 877-778-4794. World Direct a la carte service requires activation of a qualifying base package. Hardware is available separately. Additional fees and restrictions apply, and new customer offers require an equipment lease and credit approval. Other conditions apply. Call 1-877-778-4794 or visit att.com for full details. Now, enjoy the show. All right, so we got to do an intro for this thing now here. Yeah, we do. Wait, um, actually, I wanted to show you something. Okay. Hold on a second. I'm going to, I think I'm going to text it to you. You near your cell? Yeah. I'm not on mute anymore, am I? <laughs> no. <Ooh>. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations. Jeez. I've been trying to tell you for I'm like assuming a- this is you, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending you random baby sonogram pictures. <laughs> oh, that's great. Wow. Jeez. You surprised? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's also why I've been like completely incapacitated for the past two months, <laughs> and <laughs> and not of much help with anything really either myself. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So surprise. So that's that's great. <laughs> what is the when is the date? October second. Wow. Baby's gonna oh, be God. born during Italian American Heritage Month. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's fitting. That's great. Wow. Yeah, pretty exciting. Um, I'm feeling a little better this afternoon than I have in like a really long time, so that's good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, considering we just recorded a show, it gave me a little bit of a yeah. boost, but it's been a long two months. Like, Wow. It's been brutal. So has it been two months? Is that what? Oh, I'm, no, I'm 13 weeks Oh, now, wow. But, like, but, but it's been a rough go. Yeah, like, you know, for the first month, I didn't even know I was pregnant, so then, like, wow. you know, roughly the last two months I knew and it's been like nausea, headaches and like a kind of exhaustion. I'm sure, you oh. know, you have three kids. You, you've seen yeah. Jill go through this several times. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Cause like she didn't have any problems the first two, but they were like the worst sleepers ever. And then like she had problems with the last one and she was like, great. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know if there's any relation, but I love that. Yes. But also, the first two were C-sections, and the last one wasn't, which is also rare. But Oh, that is rare. Well, listen, I'll take it as a good omen that I, I'll take the pain now to have yeah. a good sleeper when the baby comes out. Yeah, that's key. So I know so they just, everybody keeps saying every woman's different. Like some women, like you said, they have no problem. They're fine. Like right. I have not been that person at all. So hmm. anyway, I've been trying well, to tell you, you're hard to get on the phone. Yeah. Thank um, you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the other day, I was incapacitated myself. Yes, Jeez. you were sick. I uh, told your brother and Snella of the other, like, I think last week or the week before. Oh, yeah. And I hear, I hear your brother go in the background because I Skype, I FaceTime them. He's like, Aunt probably already knows. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, I know. I wanted to tell you guys first because, you know, I didn't want you to find out from him. Right. It's funny, though. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Good. That's great. Wow. So that's, that's a lot. 
You guys are going to be yeah. getting ready for that now. Oh, yeah. That's taken over immediately. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, the minute you find out everything, all your life. Hey, Jay. What's up? Hi, Kuma. How are you? I'm good. I am babysitting. Oh, is that right? Who are you babysitting? Oh, yeah. My, my cousin Maria. She's three. Aw. Is she one of your Maria. flower girls? Very shy in front of people. Oh, like, she needs she some. Knows. She needs some more time with you. No, she she likes me, but like if I if I, I FaceTime somebody else, she like runs away. Aww, that's sweet. Is she the one who cried in her? Um... Yeah, but I think she was just having a rough day. <laughs> Can't blame a gal. I know. It's like it happens. How's everything going with you? Oh, it's madness. It's complete madness and anarchy. <laughs> Are you ready for your? Uh, your shower and no, everything? No, no. It'll no, be fun. Absolutely. Oh, look at you, and you're still making time to babysit. That's very sweet. Oh my God. No, she's a good girl. It's just um, we're gonna we're multitasking. No, I just want to. I want to show you something. I'm gonna text it to you. Okay. It's funny. Yo, this kid thing is like for real. Like you can't do stuff. <laughs> Like, no, it's not a joke. Like, people don't lie about it. Like, the irony. you cannot send an email. Like, she gets jealous. She gets mad. <laughs> if you're on your, she's like, uh, yo, she practically snaps. Like, pay attention. She wants your attention, yeah. Yes, she does. She's on the horse. Cavallo, cavallo, cavallo. She's so on her little funny. rocking horse. Did you get my text? <laughs> yes. Stop! <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Congratulations! <laughs> oh my god! I'm so excited! Oh my god! You can't drink at my wedding! I'm sorry! My, friend, my godmother's here, so my friend is pregnant! It's a little peanut! Oh. oh my god! Are you dying? Are you over the moon? Oh! Uh, that's part of why, like, I've been so out of commission. Like, you call, and I was, like, I would be, like, laying down, like, so sick. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, but it's wonderful. <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> I love your reaction. You're going to have a baby. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's going to be a baby. I'm just kidding. The kid thing isn't that bad. That was so funny. I was, like, oh, my God, I'm, this is so hilarious that she's saying that. As I'm about to tell her this news. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to go to the bathroom with the door closed for a long time. Yeah, a lot of stuff's going to change, yeah. evidently. It already has, not for nothing. So I wanted to uh, tell you in person, but, you know, everything's been so crazy and so busy. I'm like, I don't want to show up at her her wedding shower and tell her, like, her, tell her that I'm pregnant and, like, you know, oh, s steal her oh, day. God, no. But just wanted to let you know, yeah, we're we're excited. I'll tell you more when you're you're obviously very busy. I can hear her when you when you have more time. She just looks at me like, oh no, go go take her for a walk or whatever you're gonna do. But um, I'm so sorry, but like I I wish I could. We have to go out and celebrate 
with uh, with uh, with according, you know, excitement and gratitude and junk food. We will, we will, we will, and I'll fill you in on. I know I'm sure you have questions. I'll fill you all in. But baby's good. We're good. I'm just I'm hanging in there. I don't. No, we're okay. uh, we're planning to be surprised when it comes okay. out. Exciting. Yes. Okay, no. Yes. Okay. How far? How far along is it? I'm uh I'm 13 weeks. Oh my god! You just started. You're like oh, I'm telling people. I can tell people now. I can tell people now. It's been a long couple months of like <laughs> just hiding. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! I can imagine. Yeah. It's gonna it's it's gonna go by so quick, and then there's gonna be a baby. Here. Yep. That's right. Yep. very excited they are even maria is a magical little lady i'm sure (laughs) i'll talk to you i'll talk to you soon if i don't talk to you before sunday but i'll see you on sunday either way oh my god i'm so excited (laughs) thanks ro thank you it's very sweet (laughs) congratulations to drew i will thank you love you okay (laughs) bye What's that? It's Sunday. I want cookies. What kind of cookies? From her shower. Oh, from Rosella's shower? I'm going to text her. I don't want you to, like, just take them off the plate. I want a specific bombardier plate for me. Okay. I think that's fair. I think she... I mean, come on. She's putting it up there. It's like food porn. Oh, look who making the cookie. Look who making the cookie. Oh, she's showing them on Instagram? I haven't seen yet. No, I'm going to put it on Facebook. I actually like the idea of me smuggling cookies out for you. I don't, no, I don't want them smuggled. I don't want them. I want, I want them by right. You guys <laughs> smuggle cookies out for people who don't deserve them. Fair. You definitely deserve them. I deserve the cookies. I agree. I agree. Have you spoken to her yet? Because we can arrange this. No, I got to text her. I'm overwhelmed because my feast is coming up. Already? Gosh, I feel like we just did that. I know. And I told John, I wish I could do a real podcast. I had to have weeks of preparatory talks. Oh, my gosh. So Only you have the patience for this stuff. Oh, yeah, because this, I'm going to write a book one day. God when bless you. Dead, I'm going to write Cause the Last of Time. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I'm say nothing. I'm going to say nothing because they're killing me. Well, listen, I'm going to I want I to text you something. This is what I wanted to send you. What? I'm texting you right now. Take a look. This is what I wanted to show you. Come on. Thank you, I swear to God. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. What do you do? <laughs> That's your reaction? Oh, thank God. Yeah, thank God. Well, it's not like, I mean, it's, it's a pot. there's no kids left. Who's going to bury us? <laughs> Nobody's having kids. I mean, it's up a creek. Oh, thank God. What do you do? <laughs> October 2nd. Isn't that crazy? Italian American Heritage Month. You know what you're going to have? No, we're going to find out, I think, the old fashioned way when it comes out. Then you got to start. The next day, you got to start getting another one. You got to keep popping them out. I ha- people are going extinct. Oh my God. I haven't even had w- this one yet. 
God bless you. I'm very happy for you. Thank you, Kumba. I thought you would be. Because you've been telling me to get pregnant since no, I got married. That's the smartest thing you ever did. <laughs> I'm very, very happy for you. Thank God. I figured that because when girls have that, when it's coming, you always get that phone call. <laughs> well, I got to tell you something. <laughs> I wanted to tell you. I didn't want to text you, you know, because everybody puts it out on Facebook today. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I love that your reaction is thank God because I'm populating. I'm helping to populate. No, listen. You can't make the mistake of not having a kid. Right. I'm Aww. very happy. I cannot tell you how happy I am. I'm so glad to hear oh, that. Sucks. We could do a lot with this. Are you going to hang the blue thing or the pink thing on the door like Italy? I don't think I know that. What is that? Yeah, when they had the baby, they put the ribbon outside the door. Oh, yeah, after the baby's born. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah I'm sure we'll do something. Oh, yeah, now your mother. Oh, now you got all this stuff. Like, you can't have, you can't long for nothing. It's true. I'm, I'm careful what I tell her oh, that I want. going to come in? Yeah. You can't look at ugly people, then you can't <laughs> <laughs> you yep. can't touch your belly. There's all these rules. It's true. She's so excited. I mean, everybody's so happy. I, we... My mother was supposed to... My, my mother's cousin was supposed to be my godmother. Okay. And she was pregnant at the same time, so she couldn't be godmother. Did you know that? Oh, no. I've never There's heard that. Rule. You can't baptize a kid while you're pregnant. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Do you know why? Who the hell knows? <laughs> We don't know. We just do it. We just listen. Do you know about the doll on the bed? I know that I grew up with, like, my mom having, like, dolls that she knitted things. Did you know what they were for? No. Fertility. Babies on the bed. Oh, really? Yes, the Romans did that. That's why the Apollos always had a doll in the marriage. Really? Yeah, simplified babies coming in. Oh, my God. After four kids, I think if my mom had known, she would have probably stopped putting the doll on oh, the bed. Oh, that's a mistake we made. There should have been more of us. <sighs> I know. I'm I, so happy. I swear to God, I can't tell you how happy I am. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I thought you'd be excited, Kumba. When did you find out? Uh, well, I've we've known for, you know, about two and a half months. So no coffee, no wine? No coffee, a little bit of wine. You can have some wine. You know, not like I used to drink wine. <laughs> but uh, here and there, you know, a glass with dinner is okay. Yeah, but you know. She is. Oh my God! I have to send you the video of when we told her. She's adorable. Oh my God. Your, your, your mother's like relieved now. Yes, it's true. It's like I'm married. Like, now you're settled. Yeah. You're in the house, so when she gets old, you can take. She have to worry about that. It's true. And now you I'm having a kid. House, so you could get all the cap of the month when she goes. With the <laughs> get all the. She keeps saying, uh, "The baby's gonna give her new life." You yeah, know. Can I tell you why? We should give you cool the Italian smart move. Because you got the building babysitter. Right, exactly. She's like this She's like this baby, this grandkid I'm really going to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She'll be teaching the kid Italian. She'll be there. You'll yep. be there. You, could go out. you could be there sitting with the glass of wine reading the book. She'll be there with the kids. That's... She's used to doing 18 things at once. That's so true. Yeah, yeah. She'll be in care of the baby, making the stop. I know. I mean, so, part... Actually, then she'll go, I cannot do it no more. That's like making macaroni. <laughs> she told that I cannot do it no more. <laughs> No, not so much. Well, she's just sometimes she'll be I like, I'm a tired. I'm a tired. My leg, my tired. You know, <laughs> I walk my whole life. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm definitely a lot calmer than I think I would be because I, cause I do live with her and I'm going to have, you know, a lot of help. You know what I found today? My grandma's washboard. Oh, cool. My grandma used to wash the clothes. My grandma used to do it by hand. Wow. When you were a kid? We could never do that. Yeah, because she used to like the way her dresses came out. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine you getting up at 
five o'clock in the morning to go wash your husband's father in the sink. No. That's crazy. That's what, saying, that's what but that's why you need your mother, because they do stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, she has a lot more stamina, believe it or not, at her age than I do, I feel like. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, we're going to have an announcement. We should have a public... Nah, you don't want to wait. Just wait till you have the kid. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll uh, we'll do something in a, in a couple months. You know, I'm just telling... I'm not doing anything on social media. Nah, 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 you're my, no, don't say nothing. You don't say nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I wanted you to know before you, you're like... Uh, wow. someone I'm else. So oh, we're gonna have to have an Italian baby. No, is she anti shower your mother? No. Oh my god, that like they're all my her and my sister are like, oh, we have a no, shower. You know why? Because they gotta get back for the envelopes they gave everybody <laughs> else. <laughs> I have a my mother said to me, she goes, even if you never get married, I'm gonna tell you a shower because I want back what I gave. Right, she wants back what she gave. She goes, I want back what I gave. True. Oh wow. So exciting, yes. So we'll keep you posted. But keep uh me posted. <laughs> you could have it the cookie. You should have an Italian reveal party. And what would that be like? I don't know, like colored cookies? Like the Dodgenette <laughs> the, the with the colored frosting? <laughs> I'm a father of reveal party in Alian. I'm a father of Bashkent. Not Bashkent. I'm going to have the cookie with two the glasses of rose and not the cool celeste. And then we're going to put a cookie and go put a yacht. That's pretty funny. <laughs> well, I know I'm going to get a lot of people's opinions just on how I look. I'm already getting it. You're having a, yeah, you you're having this because of the way you look. You're having I a girl. Throw the, we, throw the quarter against the wall thing. Right, all those things. See, I remember the tail end of a lot of that. Yeah. Because then they got the amniocentesis change. They had a spit in the quarter. And... Yeah. And then there oh was... My Yes, Rosella, because I got her on the phone earlier. <laughs> yeah. Hello, I'm going to make a baby. I'm a fat little baby. Yeah, she's got to make a baby. she got to make like 10, 12. Because her kid's going to be purebred molays. That's like a high end. <laughs> oh, my God. That's like, that's like the master race. <laughs> you should be an Italian baby breeder. Italian-American baby breeder. We're excited. I've been really sick, but I'm starting to feel better. Good. Is Drew have to go in? Are you bringing Drew in the delivery room with you? Uh, yeah, I think he wants to come. I, I you'll stand, you'll laugh because I actually have said to him a couple times, like, I don't even know that I want you in there. Like, I think oh, I think we should go old school. Okay. And you should just stay outside. Like, ugh, I hate hospitals. I don't like blood and stuff. No, but do you feel different that you got like, a human being inside of you? Like, oh my god, one hundred percent. Yes, and like that's this, why I don't. You guys were paid for that because I couldn't imagine another person like no. It, you everything changes. Like the minute we found out, like everything changes. It's just even like what you, what was important in your life, and like what you're doing, and everything. You know, like did your sense of smell change? Um, I don't think it changed, but I do like have a. It's it's just like I I smell more. Yeah, yeah, because girls always have the best sense. Yeah, but I mean, other changes have been much more dramatic. I mean, wait till you see me. Keep them coming. All right, I'm going to go to school. Keep them coming. <laughs> Keep them. The Italian race needs repopulation. You got it, Kumba. <laughs> Somebody's going to 
come visit us and I'm in the Little Sisters of the Poor. Go see who, go and buy the fresh cast and the Little Sisters. Because you know my brother's going to put me in like the worst nursing home ever. Oh, my God. To get something on sale. Five hours a week, yeah, we'll put my brother there. <laughs> the big scorpions climbing all over. <laughs> they gave you gruel yesterday and you're hungry again today? <laughs> no, I'm not going to get the better nursing home for $10,000. <laughs> Grazie, Kumba. I will. Uh, grazie, love you. Ciao. See that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. From the moment you're a small bambino, you eat pizza, you drink vino. Then they make you roly-poly. You get stuffed with ravioli. If your mama's a paisano, you will have the world on a plate. So see that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 101 of the Italian American Podcast. And what you just heard before our introduction, uh, I think needs no explanation. It is the fantastic news that we are here to share with you today on this very special episode. Uh, our Another fair- scam that we were taped. Yes. Over in the third world you were lied to. I'm sorry. But the good news is... No, that is- makes you really Italian, because we grew up with constant Yes, lies. that's true. My mother lied to us constantly. I'll be back in two minutes. Truth, Don't worry. <laughs> truth was that. Truth was uh, what's the word? I'm a fungible. Fun? Yeah, fungible. And I then, can't believe you recorded me without my freaking knowledge. Sorry, but I we had a surprise. I had to. I had to do it like surprise. That was your idea. Yeah, I figured that. Yeah. I, I know when I can smell him. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thought it'd be cute to play all the like you know cold. Because she texted me already. Right? She I said I just gotta be pregnant. I said I thought to myself something's up. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, nah, yeah. nah please. Yeah, yeah. When Dolores told me, I said like oh, this is a great idea for a show, right? I'm like this is. A brilliant episode. We can talk about what it's going to be like for you to raise a baby in this Italian-American way in a modern world. And uh, we waited a long time to share this news with everybody out there because we wanted to do it in this special way. So first of all, Dolores, auguri. Grazie. Yeah, a really Thank great news. We eat, we eat melon in Mommy. honor. So we <laughs> That's melon. why we have melon out now. In honor of the pregnancy. Actually, this is very good watermelon. Isn't it? Say. And it's I can't get good. enough watermelon lately. Is that a craving? Yeah, fruit in I'll, general, the watermelon wolly. She's got the wolly. You, you know when you're pregnant, you have to satiate your wolly. Because that's true. Not, yeah. The kid wants watermelon. Pretty so yeah, that's our big announcement. So we thought it'd be fun to uh, play a little cold open there. Pat and Rosella didn't know uh, I was recording them when I called to tell them that I was. Yeah, you, no, I'm paranoid to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't normally do that to you, but I, I had to for this. Yeah, yeah, I could smell when it's a John idea. Like, it's all the <laughs> I'm happy because I had a good reaction. So. She did. That's she true. did. I'm glad she had the best reaction. Stupid. It was great. When you called me, 
I don't even know if you called me to tell me or you called me to talk about something else and it came up. I just had a feeling. I think I said to you, are you pregnant? Yeah. And uh, on one of our many daily calls, and I'm like, you got to record them. We have mm-hmm. to get them on mic because it's the show. And, and right away I said, we have to do an episode about this. So my apologies to you guys. It was set up. That was, that was complete. <laughs> like an organ grinder, I yeah. used you. So the cat's out of the bag. We're, we're pretty excited. Um, it's been it's been a long six or so months, but thankfully I'm uh, doing well. Knock on wood. You didn't have this is a real question. This is not a setup question. Did you? Because we all knew the child's gender. Yeah. You didn't have a reveal. That's like the new thing now. We didn't. We did. Well, well, I don't know. I'm not into that. That's not my thing. But we didn't have a party. We did get a cake at our regular family dinners that we have with my family, and we cut open the cake. So they didn't know until you cut the cake off. Does that does that count as a reveal? Uh, we didn't I don't send know. out I'm invitations a... or invite people or get yeah. gifts. I think you, you share with your family in a nice new way. Yeah. Is that, a new, is that going to be another do... booster right now? Now we're going to yeah, have start sending yeah. a booster for the, for the reveal. <laughs> for the reveal. Yeah. A booster yeah. for the shower. Do people bring gifts a to the reveal? For so I got, you yeah, I got, a, I got a, a follower asked me a question about um, how much do you give for a gender reveal? Like, you know, what do you give for a gender reveal? If you bring a check, how much should the check be for? And I was just, I, I don't know. I've actually, I've never been to a gender reveal no, party, either. an official one. I haven't even ever been invited. I think I went to one when I lived in Texas. It's, a, it's around that war. Way back then. Yeah, but yeah. like, what do you guys think? Do you give a booster for a gender reveal? Come on, how many, like my brother said, but how many booster can you give? Can I just then the it? gender reveal becomes our boost. Then the shower is another boost. Then the then the christening is our boost. Then the kid has the first birth is our boost. Yeah, you might as well That's just a four start boost. sending a monthly yeah, salary. Yeah, I'll, I'll, just, <laughs> I'll just give you five grand up front <laughs> right, and I'm yeah. covered. For everything. The wedding. That's Once you become sh- friends with somebody, just hand them a check. That's such a <laughs> I like you. I'm going to be at your event. That's yeah, a curb your enthusiasm. Larry <laughs> yeah. would totally give... You know, like a certain amount of money, and be like, "But this covers everything." <laughs> I want to know how to say "curb your enthusiasm" in Neapolitan. That should be like no molays. We're gonna molays. Enough with the molays. No, how would you say "curb your enthusiasm" in the molays? Like, it would just be something like, "Oh, relax." Like, yeah. you know, oh, relax. Nah, but it doesn't have the depth. But I translation's not easy. I'm very fascinated with this gender reveal because it's like a, it's another. I know, but, but do you I have the cards now as you reveal the gender of your child. There are a lot of different ways to do it. There's the cake method. There's just the open, you know, an envelope and read it. There's um, my friend popped a balloon and all this colored confetti came out. Um, there's like the smoke one. There's like, you know, you can do two smoke? things that are smoke and then the smoke will either be pink or blue. There's fireworks. I've seen someone fireworks. do fireworks. Yeah, I've seen someone do fireworks. There's, there's many this different This is why you got to have like 18 kids yeah. and nobody has time for this. People are going to hire out the Empire State Building to be the color of their kid. And I had to well, turn the TV on. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I, think, I will say for us, the way we did it was really nice. It was just... Not a big deal. We didn't inconvenience anyone. Everyone was coming over anyway. We have dessert yeah. anyway. Didn't the they used to do like a thing where you used to throw spit on a quarter and float against the wall? I don't know. Or did, did someone like a different... do the string above your stomach and see which? Well, yeah, that's that. My, my family still does that. We just used, you know, like a sonogram. Lay on the work. table. <laughs> yeah. Lay on the table. Put the wedding ring on the string and then let the wedding ring twist. And if it is that how it was done? Yeah, everybody yeah. take them off the horns. Everybody had their own. Everybody's got that's one I know, and then another one I know is they look at the back of the your your neck and your hairline and, and that. Wow. Yeah, if you've you. got that like fat neck in the back, it's some girl. weird. They my like, my great grandma used to do. That, that's my what they say. The girl takes your beauty. 
you know, if you carry high, it's a boy. Yeah, yeah, I remember If you get all thing. like, oh, like, you know, if you look like an ape, it's a girl. <laughs> it, it's just... My grandmother swore I was a boy because my mother had was had a woolly for Brooklyn Ave when she was pregnant for me. Wow. So my that, grandmother swore. That explains so much. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I mean, I'm happy I'm in a place where I can say this and people will take it seriously, but my grandmother, the iron in the Brooklyn Ave had turned me into a boy. That's amazing. I love the oh, Italian and American science. I love how they think thing. that they can influence. Yes, 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 correct, correct. Somebody like, told me that if you eat pepper the night you conceive, oh you may have whacked out on. stuff. And people believe this stuff. But this is, like, needless to say, with these conversations, this is Dolores and is Drew's it, is it, can first we get baby? funding for this? From, from a test about the pepper like and the conception? The, the, the Nona Institute somewhere? Yeah. We should found the Institute maybe for a, Nona Science. Like yeah, but maybe, this, maybe there really is a pepper could conception be. correlation. <laughs> could be. Like, you know, it's a Mediterranean diet. Like, these Italians 100 years ago, we eat, like, broccoli ab and all this stuff, and people said they eat, like, like grass, these people. And now it's, like, the key to the Mediterranean diet. Maybe... All these boys or girls are coming out because somebody had too much pepper. That you're night. right. Maybe there, there could be science behind. There them. could be science behind this. But oh, this right. is this is Dolores and Drew's first. So <laughs> I don't want it. These fifteen <laughs> foods can make you more fertile. Bell peppers. There you go. There yeah. we See, go. Science tells you. This there is, we go. This is real. So your first kid. Again, congratulations. And as soon as we start talking about this, I said to myself, your first child, be a masculine child. So, we've got the Michigan child. Done. Check mark. It's a boy. You know, it's a boy. <laughs> and I just said one more thing. Please, if you're insulted, we said masculine child. Don't. don't <laughs> please, yeah, keep no, it to I, yourself. Don't listen. Just please. We can't. We're getting beat up and we're tired. <laughs> we make a joke. We never thought our own people were PC. I was flying off the handle. Why'd you bring up the Godfather? We're getting in trouble for that. Why'd you masculine child? We're going with a feminine yeah. child. Any child. It's a joke. Calm, chill. Just nice people. You're nice people. But just everybody let it go. So we do know it's a boy. And first conversation we had was things like, are you going to name it after your father-in-law? Are you going to do this? And all these traditions that you and I started talking about, as we usually do. And I said to myself, man, this is, as we say all the time, this is a whole other episode. Right. And the idea was like, this is a great conversation. None of us, Anthony's not here with us today. Anthony's got kids, and he and Jill, very, very active and wonderful parents. But for the, the rest one of person who has a kid is not here. It's not here. Right one, now. Yeah, so that's a little tiny conversation. Because he's got yeah. kids. Yeah, because he's got kids, and he's got a, a totally different life. But for the rest of us, this is an interesting sort of think through the situation. We're obviously all really attached to our heritage. That goes without saying. We think of ourselves as something of a throwback or, or an outlier. And how in a world that's going to be different, like I always say all the time, my upbringing, I'm sure, and all of our upbringing, was much closer to our grandparents' upbringing than we'll have to our own kids. Because we didn't have internet. We didn't have the cell phone. We didn't have, I mean, it was like, you know, yeah, we went outside and played baseball. And my friends and I were in the suburbs and we played on a baseball field with a bat and a ball. My grandfather played in the city street with the broomstick and a, and a pensy pinky, but the format well, we was the same. We were on the same playing board, the same game board. But these kids, they're because in a digital started, world. Because we st- I think also, collectively, in, as a worldwide culture, we began raising kids based on magazine articles and books. Yeah, it's very different. Like It's not based on, you know, my mother did this. I don't know, my mother had no child-rearing books. Right. You know, she just talked to her mom or her grandmother or my, my, my dad's mom. So for us, for, for this panel... You know, you'll be the first of us to do this in the new age. And so I thought, 
great topic. How do you raise a kid and hold on to these tenets of our culture that we love in an increasingly modern and different world? And it's interesting that we talk about books because the title for this episode, Bringing Up Bambino, comes from our conversation, but also comes from a book recommendation that you got from my wife, right? Yes, I did. Um, I actually just started listening to it, so I don't have too much to say about the book itself. Bringing up baby, 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 bringing up baby, and but ooh la la, la. (laughs) but what I've listened to so far, and kind of in my mind because this is what I do, I'm like translating French for Southern Italian, yeah, and it's going pretty well because I think (laughs) I do I do think what they're getting at is this European sensibility of like France, Italy, maybe not like Germany. But these kind of, you know, these uh, Spain. Yeah, but I, 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 I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, the romance. I didn't. I didn't, yeah, the, I didn't read the exactly. book, but I don't. I think there's a very big difference between France and Italy. Yeah, and but especially France correct. and South. But until somebody writes bringing up Bambino, that this is the best that I have. Hey, here's a project for you. Fa, fa, right. How do you say fa crescere uh, How to raise a, a kid? Let Come si fa crescere Yeah, how to how to raise a kid? Is that is that how you would say that? Yeah. How would you say it? I'm not going to say it. <laughs> no, always wants not her to speak ways. in her dialect. But, but, but we have regional adaptations to the book. Oh, boy. Yeah. But that's, that's a great topic for us. Like, Yeah. What it's kind an of stuff's going to come dovetail. up? Yeah. And just what I've listened to so far, it's really a fundamental difference because of the way we live. So if you would say in France, a.k.a. you know, southern Italy there's more of a relaxed sensibility because you're not living an American and a New York lifestyle. So women, the mark isn't being so anxious when you're pregnant, like, oh my God, I can't eat that. Oh my God, I can't drink that. But it's more about being calm and graceful. You got to explain that because I don't get that. Conceptually, I'm a horse. Okay, so in America, when you're pregnant, you can't eat anything. The first thing that happens is everybody likes to tell you all the things you can't do. And then they like to tell you all the chances of your child having, or your fetus, having this and that, if you, and then forget about it. If you do one of those things that you're not supposed to do, the chances of you making your child this thing. Yeah. It's very, if you're not calm and kind of confident and just a little chill about things, you, you, you can go be crazy, extremely sure. anxious. And actually, the reason that Nicole recommended the book to me is because we were talking about me being pregnant and like she, I think she might have asked me like oh, what do you miss eating or something like that and and I said to her you know in the end I'm a lot more southern Italian about the whole thing than I would have thought I'd be yeah and she said oh I'm reading this book bringing up Bebe and talking and so because I'm very listen I have my moments I'm not eating like I'm not pregnant but I I made a decision that I would be kind of chill about it, you know, and relax and trust that for centuries, women in my family have been having healthy, strong babies. Thank God. Yeah. And, and that they mozzarella. And yeah. they and they mozzarella yeah. and they they drank even on occasion and you know they they probably even at some point smoked you know none of which I, I'm I, really I, doing. I do with endorsing any of this. No, they we're all, not. We all smoked, drank, right? Yeah, you know, they ate definitely not meats and, and you know. 
But and we're here. It, exactly. Yeah. But, but I'm it's sure there's a pediatrician out there that's flipping on those parts. Right. So if you think about French, the book's basic premise is like French women, they don't understand why American women would, would obsess and be so anxious and give up pleasure for because they're pregnant. It's yeah. just why wouldn't you actually indulge more in pleasure and just and just live like you're not it's not a like a death sentence it's a beautiful experience in a beautiful time period and it, you know it's gotten so much worse in the past 10 years yeah. i think also like it's gotten so much crazier because i i just don't remember you know any woman that was pregnant or that was around me complaining about these sort of things well i think it's also this like web md world we live in where you can go on and say you know my feet hurt and you, then yep. you Google it, and it's like, oh, that can mean the baby's, you know, twisted. It's yes. like, and not that that's real science. I made that up. But, like, the, the, the abundance of information yeah. makes everyone want more information. And so then you go out, and then you're nervous, and it's precaution to the extreme. And I say this all the time. You know, I look at uh, kids being raised today and, and how overscheduled they are. And, again, I don't have kids, so I'm not being critical. But they have incredible schedules. There's all this activity, that the, you know, protection of them – the baby proofing. Like I lived in a tenement house. They took me as a kid. They put me on the floor with my great aunt who was like 90. And my parents went to work. And I got taken care of by a nine-year-old lady who fed me scrambled eggs and asparagus on the floor. You know, these kids are like, oh, yeah. don't let them eat this. This is this yeah. is their allergy. This, which is all well and good. My friend's kid but... eats dog food. <laughs> and the other and yesterday, just what? yesterday. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on. Dog food. It means that the dog food is on the floor. The mother's not Italian. No, but I mean. Hold like on, hold dog, on. Stop. The dog. Stop. Yes, I got to clarify. An Italian dog would eat pasta. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Italian pasta. baby. That's what I'm going to say. What I'm saying is like, uh, you know, the, the dog's bowl and the dog food are on the floor. And when sometimes he's not looking, he goes and he grabs the dog food. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, kids don't know. And then yesterday, I'm buying him a gift. And, you know, he turned two. And this thing, this uh, this play uh, coffee pot says, oh, three and up. And I'm like, I don't know. Is he going to kill himself? I know. It's <laughs> crazy. Well, what's gonna, is he going to survive this toy? Yeah. And then I'm like, this freaking kid's dog food. You can have the coffee pot. They, I'm they, sure he's fine. <laughs> but how do, you, how do you balance that? Like, we, we are so conscious of our history and so conscious of where we come from. And I keep coming back when I have friends with kids or family members with kids. And I think to myself, okay, like you said, Dolores, there's a thousand years of best practices here. Yeah. It may not be scientific it may not be research but we've all survived everybody's been but, born healthy yeah. something's working no what i would like to say statistically the people who write all these books and i'm not talking about books that are based on nutrition or science but books on raising kids how their kids turned out yeah yeah it's it's and I, I mean that really seriously yeah, because question. now all of a sudden you wrote a book raising baby we'll call the book about your about a person with uh, an alphabet amount of letters after their name for the 5,000 different degrees they had from very prominent institutions. But does their theory play out in reality? So does the... You know what I'm trying to yeah, say? Of like, course, yeah. does, 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 where's the empirical evidence? Where's the empirical evidence? You know what it is? Because someone... Somebody I know recently, they had death in the family and they're traumatized about telling the kid about death. About going to the wake and the... I was like, I spent to wakes my entire life. Yeah. I mean, I was three years old. I mean, I, I, mean, I was constantly... <laughs> Going to wakes and funerals. I mean, today, even to today, the smell of fresh flowers reminds me of the casket. <laughs> you know, I went to a, a, a wake one time. It was, it was a tragic, horrible accident. I must have been six, seven years old. My grandmother had me by the hand. And she turned to me and she goes, if they look that bad in the casket and you upset, just look away. Yeah. 
And there was no, and I'm just saying, there was no like, that's why I think that well, personally I have more of a, a reality. I never knew a, a world where there was no death. I mean, and I've, I know people who didn't see a dead body live in their 20s. Oh, like, you know, and a family member died. And I, that's got to be very hard to, to face face the end. Right. The at, world at, 20. Yeah. Yeah, at 20. At 20. Compared to when, it, when you are your whole life. I remember three or four years old playing in the downstairs part of the Undertaker's where the couches were at the waiting room. Yeah. So I've always had it around me. And I tell these people, I was like, we're arguing. They're getting book after book and magazine and article and we don't want to traumatize. I was like, this is life and like, what are you, what are you going to tell the kid like, you know, like grandma's on vacation? Well, I mean, you know, like this. I think, how do you, uh... I think as somebody who's not, you know, just not raising kids yet, but about to, I think you have to look at books as more like, um, like preventative so, for instance, I, I'm only reading one child-rearing book. It's actually just how to get him to sleep when he's here for the first few months because that's really a big priority <laughs> for me. <laughs> it's The um, Happiest Baby on the Block okay. by Dr. Carp. And, um, Carp is in the fish? K-A-R-P. Okay. But other than that, but other than that, I I don't know how to put a newborn to sleep. I mean, I've I've helped with my nieces and nephews, but that's not the same as it's my responsibility twenty four seven to make sure this child doesn't you know basically murder me and my husband by not sleeping at night. So to me, I'm really glad I have this book because every child's different and. But how could and I, I'm, I am talking out of the out of the bowels of ignorance. How could that? And look, and now, if you have a kid with a sleeping problem, I can see getting the book. But how is that book? So, what's the book? Chapter number one: the kid who sleeps all the time. Chapter number two: the kid who's cranky. Chapter number three: the kid who sleeps all no, night. No, I stuff. don't think it's that. Like, it's not that formulaic. You know, ch- babies come out and they have different issues. Yeah, but what do you do? But how is that book going to change how a baby's going to sleep? Because it teaches me the things that a, maybe a newborn baby wants when it comes out that some new parents don't understand. Like what? Like. To be rock like a certain way to rock the baby, a certain well, how way to rush the baby. But rocking has a, a as a there's a right and wrong way to rock. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you I'm want the baby again. to sleep. Yeah. I mean, th- this kind of stuff is interesting, right? Because like these kind of resources and tools can be incredibly additive to the like. Look, no first time mother has known for millennia how to do this, but nowadays we have the resources to 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 learn from a collective knowledge. That's fantastic. Then the question becomes, like, where do you make the line, especially someone like us, like you, who wants to have old-fashioned values? I mean, like, you know, we, we describe you on the website as a young and old soul at the same time. How do you raise a kid that way? We describe Wait, ourselves so on the website. No, we, we describe everybody on the website. I have a description? Yeah, it starts with the fact that you don't know we're writing this description. It's <laughs> <laughs> really the first sentence, yeah. Better I don't know. Yeah. Pat doesn't know we're writing this. Pat doesn't know we're writing Well, this. I had a second part to that before Pat chimed in, which was... But dot dot dot, there are certain things that I don't, I don't think I'm going to read a book about because I'm going to rely on my own wisdom and my own instinct to raise my child the way me and my husband think is the right way to raise our child. And people around me will probably disagree with it. Probably people in my own family will disagree in some ways. You know, you know, I have my sisters. I think probably very more like mainstream like american model you know the kids are super scheduled the kids are it's this 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 and 
for maybe for us, we'd like to we'd like to do it a little differently, just for our own sanity and the type of people we are, and also like for us, it is important the okay. traditions and the values and the customs, and that he have a very strong sense of his heritage from the get go. So back to you know the sleeping schedules. I, I'd like to get an Italian American perspective on this because you know the Ferber method is a method invented by Richard Ferber. And Who's this? Richard Dr. Method. Richard Ferber. So the Ferber method or Ferberization is um, it is said to solve infant sleep problems, and it's it involves baby training, getting your kid to self soothe, letting him cry it out. You put the baby in the crib and leave to put him to sleep. You know, are Italian Americans capable? Of this? <laughs> I don't know about that one. I couldn't see it in my family. I mean, not picking your baby up every time they cry. Like, I feel, I feel like this is just so, like, an un-Italian American thing. I remember every single time I cried, my oh. mother picked me up. I, I, I was, I never self-soothed. That's why Italian men live we're in not, their mother's we're not, yeah. we're, not, we're not, we're not, we're not a self-soothing old No, And maybe not. that's why I can't self-soothe now. That's, <laughs> that's all. true. Like, maybe that's why I still right, so my maybe, mom. I mean, maybe it's good if you have kids to learn about self-soothing and maybe yeah, but who would they to tell us to self-soothe but it could be helpful nobody's That's the point. telling you but why do we even get well, this? i remember when i was when um, my my nonna was telling me the story about her sister-in-law johanna who is german and um she had twins and one day my my nonna was watching them and my aunt johanna said if you hear them cry in the crib don't pick them up and she's like what <laughs> What are you That's talking about? Could you do that? And she's we'll like, say. well, <laughs> if, if I pick them up every time they cry, who's going to clean the house? And my, my nona's mind was totally blown by this. I don't think that would... Like, I know my family has one mantra. It's make a fuss. And it's like the kid but falls I, off a rock and they're like, you fell so beautiful! You know, like... And my <laughs> brother Michael, my nephew Vincent, who is... He tells me I'm his best friend, so Zeal loves him very much. And Vincent, when you're older and listen to this, you know how much I love you. Uh... We make a huge fuss. Every he was the first kid. Everything he does, and now he's like, he'll tell us. He's like, yeah, I'm the best at this. I'm the best at that. I'm like, hmm. I wonder if we went a little overboard with like you the make did. a fuss, That's you know? Like so like, that. yeah, maybe the maybe the more sort of mainstream idea of like moderation yeah. is not a horrible thing. But I don't know. It's worked so far on multiple generations, you know. See, I think my focus, at least now, you know, this is all said with him not here yet is more on, there's so many things that we were raised with that are now being lost or, or exactly, lost. Yeah. So that's really more of my interest. Like, I don't really, with all due respect, care so much about, like, did my mom pick me up every time I cried? Well, then I have to pick up my child. That's not a tradition. Mm. That's, like, how my mom but we'll also- took care of her kid. And, and probably had to do a million other things. Yeah, but her life was totally different than mine. <laughs> yeah. Her circumstances of her education, everything, totally different. She had three other kids when she had yeah. me. Like, she was... Right. My thing is more, I would like to raise a child who can self-soothe. Uh, because, to me, self-soothe is, a, is like a modern term. But what does that mean? It means you need to be able to take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, you need to not be waiting for somebody to always come along and make you feel better. What if, is you got to make what, yourself uh, feel better. What, like, I would like to raise a kid who has that kind of... Self-assurance and confidence. That's how I, I was raised. I mean, is a kid crying? I mean, of course, I'm waiting for the letters to come in on this one, but how much of a future impact is all this, this self-soothing, non-self-soothing, leaving the kid in the, in the what do you call it, the, 
It's a little cage thing we put there. The crib. Um, it's uh, how much of an impact? Let me ask you, what would your mother do? I don't know. I haven't asked her. What would Stefan do? I would not be surprised if, that, I, if my mom let me cry. But you got to understand something. There's a lot of factors To not spoil too. me. Yeah. We have By the time you came along, it was That just, wouldn't have surprised me. I, yeah, but let's, let's, let's also factor something in. And it's, it's the 800-pound elephant in the room. We only have these questions because of birth control. Because when birth couldn't have been decided in a practical sense, or births weren't decided because people wanted to have a lot of kids because you need them for the farm or, you know, and, and the concept of birth control is a very modern one, right? Yeah. Birth control wasn't even accepted by a, a mainstream denomination. The Episcopalians, I think, recognized it in 1931. It was illegal in lots of parts. It was illegal in parts of the country well into the, the last 50 years. As in the 50s, I think, was Griswold versus Connecticut, I think, was sometime in the 60s. But the reason I'm bringing it up is when you had 18 kids or 12 kids, could you really follow a book? No. I mean, if you had a, a two-year-old, uh, an infant, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old. Well, if you have 18 two... kids, you are a book. That's <laughs> true. Well, no, I mean, you can write the book. Kids. But, but, but then it's like there was just less focus on the individual. Yes. Like, then it was just, oh, you have That's six true. kids, one of them's going to be a dud, it's all right. Now, <laughs> we only have one kid, so it's like, oh, we want to make good ones. Yeah, but there, once there, was a, there was a book I was reading, was, I think it was about Thomas Jefferson, I forget, and it said that, when you had like 18 kids, when you start having kids, let's say 16 or 18 for the females, and you figured if you have, and I'm not, a, I'm not a biologist in any sense of the word, but you could have, if you get an early start and you have a lot of them back then, people would have kids well into their 40s, pushing 50s. You knew, A, some of them were going to die from stuff like smallpox and measles and stuff today that we just get a vaccination for. So you knew you could, you're going to lose some of them, which mm-hmm. was one thing that, that was part of everyday life. And the older kids helped raise the younger ones. I mean, how many, if you talk about Italian Americans, how many people that came from huge families consider older sisters like another mother? Yes. I do. Or they'll say, my sister was like another mother yeah. to me. My father in law, like, the, he's the latter part of, I think, 10 kids, and, and his older sister, Zia Franca, is like, like a mom and like a grandmother to Nicole. But you feel like Zia Franca, though, also was prepared to have her own kids. Did she have her own kids? Yes, she did, sure. Because Zia Franca was trained. I'm just saying, like, if you take. Yes. A pre-industrial what war. What you're saying, just started to say there, I think is very accurate, which is a lot. A big issue now is that so many of us are not exposed Correct. to yeah. babies anymore. Yeah. So then you literally have no idea what you're doing. There are You Correct. understand how many people there are in this country who have a child and have no idea what they're doing? Correct. Because they've Correct. never been around younger siblings, younger cousins, nieces and nephews. Yeah, multi-family homes, people right. living in the same building, different exactly, apartments. Exactly, which yeah. never used to be a thing. I'm yeah. a lot calmer because I was around five nieces and nephews. I changed diapers. I babysat. Right. It's not and the I'm same as you, having my own. Sure, but, but you were apprenticed. I was so apprenticed, if you figure, yes. If you figure in the old days, Zia Franca was apprenticed. So when Zia Franca went into baby mode, probably some of her younger siblings that she helped raise, helped her raise there. So there was a... Mother to daughter, sister True. to sister, mm-hmm. grandmother to yeah. grand. I mean, there was a lot of different women who had impact. Pat just stumbled onto, I think, that, that that's kind of part of the crux of the idea. It's like, first of all, we do want to talk about traditions and what gets kept in a modern form and evolved in a modern form, but also like sort of the model of apprenticeship versus education around having a kid. Because yes. for a lot of people who are disconnected from that heritage, you have to seek it out in books or online or, right. you know, best practices, whatever you want to call it, themes, theories, but there's also that old model of just apprenticeship. You, you learn at the hip of the moms and cousins mm-hmm. and this, and 
yeah, that's harder and harder to come by nowadays. And I think that that's a really big part. I mean, but, th- but there's also then the specifics of traditions. Like, you and I talked about this. I hope you're comfortable with me bringing it up. But, like, the naming uh, the, the naming tradition. I was like, where's he going? <laughs> what is he about to expose that we have talked about that I don't want it to So guys, traditions, for a little backstory, tradition states that the first child um, is to be named after the paternal grandparents, the second child is to be named after the maternal grandparents, and then super traditionally, the third or fourth child is named after the paternal aunt or uncle, then fourth maternal aunt or uncle, and so forth. So that's how you keep it traditional all the way down the bloodline. And, I mean, some people are totally against this. Some people are totally for it. I mean, my personal point of view, I don't have any kids yet, but I think it's really nice because it shows you where you came from. Yeah. You know, when uh, when Italian people... You know, say Francesco and Isabella uh, have a have a baby, and you know they're the the kid's grandmother is named Maria, and the grandfather is named Vito, and then they choose to name their daughter like Madison. Who is Madison? <laughs> yeah, it feels like you threw off. Who the hell yeah. is Madison? Nobody. <laughs> I mean, I, I, no offense to anyone. No, no offense. No offense yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's coming. <laughs> It's common. No emails are common. I name my Watch, this is our most controversial. <laughs> yeah, sure. Madison. No offense Madison. To Madison but, we but, love you, Madison. But I like I when I was born, I am the oldest on both sides of my family, first son. So I was named after my two grandfathers. My grandpa John, my dad's dad, my grandpa Mike, Michele, and my mom's dad. So my name on my birth certificate, no middle name, John Michael. And until my brother was born, they called me John Michael, out of respect to both my grandfathers. My, my brother was born, he got the name Michael, right. and then on from there. So it means a lot to me. And then your brother named his first son after your father. Vincent, yeah. And we talked about this, right? And you and Drew talked about it pretty quickly. Yeah, it wasn't really a talk. It, was like, <laughs> it wasn't really a it talk. It was just like, this is what we're doing, done, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, so we we will name him um, after his grandfather's Um I don't know. There's a superstitious part of me that's not. I don't. I'll wait to yeah, say yeah, the names say for some fine. reason. Yeah. But um, yeah. So after my father-in-law, because of course it carries on the name as a son, he will carry on the Taranto family name. So after my father-in-law, and then his middle name will be after my father. Um, there wasn't really much debate. Drew and I are both pretty. Can we have, a, can we have a name reveal party for another person? Yeah, when he comes. So gender reveal. When he arrives. It's called the christening. Yeah, that's yeah, true. We'll no, but you could get a whole other name because now they baptize the kid at like eight months old. The kids walk into the town. You could easily fit another boost. <laughs> you could do one more there. boost in there. A boost, you got to come to the hospital, a boost, a gift, and then you have the name reveal. You could ha- How would you do the name reveal? On the cake? No, you like sparklers light up with the sparklers name. Sparklers light up. Like you guys know the name. I just there's something. Yeah, no, 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 don't say that. Don't cast the shower at the shower like the. No, it's like, now we have gender reveal shower, yeah. co-ed yeah. shower, official naming, the official ceremony. naming ceremony. Then you baptize the kid. Then the first birthday. Now we're up to five boosts in one year. Yeah, that's it. That's just write so the check. In, write the check on day one. Do you want, here's the yeah. check. But <laughs> but I, here's the check. I, I yeah, give a hand it over. Break when you get down. married, this is all the money you're ever getting from me. Just start Don't an escrow account. <laughs> like, and every time you do something, you, you put draw from the it. A, a paper clip. Check number one, <laughs> check number two. Check number two. Here's another interesting uh, derivation on this conversation. So I am named after my two grandfathers, right? I've used myself as an example. My one grandfather is Giovanni. My other grandfather is Michele, but I'm John Michael. 
And I remember going to a an event for the Italian American Sports Hall of Fame in Chicago, and one of the honorees was Scott Pioli, who was uh, a GM in the NFL, uh, really accomplished, been with the Patriots, the Chiefs. And Scott gave this wonderful acceptance speech, and he talked about naming his kids in the Italian names versus English names, and how when he was growing up, his parents chose the Americanized version of family names, and he wanted to sort of reclaim the Italian names. And it's a conversation that I've had with my wife, God spares when we get kids, and you know, I've had just in general, what do you pick? Do you pick the Italian because it's 2019 and it's a different time than, right. like, we, you know, we don't have to sort of try to assimilate now, we are assimilated, and that's an interesting conversation. I, I mean, I know people that have a, a very distinct point of view. We're in America, and when they go to school, it's hard for people to pronounce their names. And I remember dealing with that as a as a, an Italian kid with a very mm. Italian weird name. Yeah. Um, people definitely did mispronounce my name, and there was a few years straight where I wished my name was Lisa <laughs> or Jennifer. Easier. Yeah, it would. But now I'm really happy that my parents named me something ethnic. Yeah. so to speak. And, you know, uh, everyone else names their kid ethnic names, doesn't think twice about right. it, doesn't yeah. think that we're in America. Because they made some of our names into pejoratives. Yeah. So the word Guido is a name. Yeah. And it's also a negative right. adjective. But So I, let's not discount also that sure. they yeah. hijacked. But I think that us, you know, taking the name and turning it into the American name or whatever, I think that's pandering to because pandering. we, we don't want to... We don't want to deal with... Uh, yeah, but there's a difference between you, you wanting to name your kid Francesco and naming Francis, and, or you wanting to name your kid Francesco and then saying, well, people might make fun of that name. Let's call him Tyler. My brother's name is Leonardo. Growing up, we called him Lenny. Everybody called mm. him Lenny. You know, I'm wow. Rosella, and nobody figured out an American <laughs> name for me, but we called Leonardo Lenny his entire life. When he got to college, I feel like Lenny didn't do as well with the ladies. <laughs> as yeah, he I mean, he's got a beautiful name. We call him Lenny. So then he changed it back to Leonardo, and he was just so weird about it. Like, I, you know, this is my brother, and I was like, Lenny, and he's like, who's Lenny? He was just not answering to Lenny anymore. He's like, it's Leo. And now his wife has only known him as Leo, and she only calls him Leo, and it's, like, so weird. Like, I still want to call him Lenny. Good it's, for him, though, I mean, for reclaiming I, that. I think, like, growing up, my mom and my brothers called me Gio for Giovanni all the time. Mm-hmm. And people would hear that, like, you come by our house. And that's not my birth name, but they'd come by our house and be like, what is that? I'd be like, that's the Italian version of my name. Or, like, the Sicilian family would call me Giova or my dad's side, Juan. And, like, Juan. People, Juan. Yeah, yeah. Juan. yeah, and, like, my American friends would come over and they'd be like, wait a minute, I don't understand. What is your real name? Like, well, my real name is technically John, I guess, but the essence of it, what I was named, was yeah. to be Giovanni. And I remember in college, I led a trip, a service trip to South America, and as a team building exercise, we had this name dictionary, and we asked everybody to read their description and what it said about you, your name. And uh, it was really incredible how accurate these things were. And one girl... This is a tangent, but this is the Italian American <laughs> podcast. One girl, I remember, was like this very unique young lady, and we read her description, and it sounded nothing like her. And she's like, "Yeah, but I always felt like my name should be Hazel." And so we're all like, "What the Hazel? Heck? Hazel? So she read Hazel. As in the nut? Yes, yeah, in the nut. So she read Hazel, and it was like spot on to who she was. Interesting. So when I got to mine, I read John, and I was like, "Eh, this is not necessarily doing it." 
I flipped to Giovanni, and it was me to a T. I gotta find this That's book. Wild. It's in storage. It is wild, and I I don't know if the person's affected by the name they're given or they think they should have whatever it is, but it became very clear to me that your name is sort of a part of your um, your, your, your decision making around who you are. I think I it's so interesting yeah. because Dolores's real name is Adolorata. Mm-hmm. And it's on your birth certificate, Adolorata, mm-hmm. but they took to calling you Dolores right. over the years. Right. And it's, but do you identify more with Dolores or Adolorata? For, for those of you who don't know, Adolorata means sorrowful or Dolores. full of pain. Yeah, Dolores. It's, a, it's, a, it's it, an it, accurate it a, translation. It's a, it's a translation, so it's not like they gave her a different name. Right, right. Like, like Lenny's, that's like yeah. a different name. Um, that's a very good question, and I don't even know... I don't know the answer, actually. When I, you were little, did you want to be a Dolorata? I think when I was little, I didn't have a real consciousness of it. Mm. I was just so Dolores that I don't, I don't think I registered really until I went into, I think, high school. And maybe, you know, like a period of time where everybody's trying to stand out and yeah. be like, find themselves and be individuals. And I was really, had to come to terms with life inside the house versus life outside the house and then realizing that I have this really interesting special name that nobody else has Mm -hmm. and it represents me and this life that I come from and then I started to use it a lot more often uh when I like I would at least tell people well my real name you know is Adolorata and that so like my friends in high school knew that my real name was Adolorata, but they called me Dolores. And every now and then they would just be like, Adolorata, like, kind of joking. Um, but when I went to college, it, it's been like an increasing, I guess, repossession, kind of like your, your brother, Rosella. Mm-hmm. I never just went as far as to say, stop calling me Dolores. You have to call me Adolorata now. But I think I the, never did the that. real conflict... But I guess I identify with both. If you take Italian families... From our parents, maybe it depends on where you were and how you felt on immigration patterns, but definitely for our grandparents, and to a lesser extent, but for the majority of our parents when they were named, for the south of Italy at least. So the first boy is for, named for the grandfathers, for the paternal grandfather, second boy for the maternal grand, grandfather, first girl for the paternal grandmother, right. second girl for the maternal grandmother. And then the names, as Rosella said, got divided up amongst relatives who didn't have children, Relatives who died too young, where they where they died before they could have been in marriage age, what childbearing was the siblings? age, it siblings, was, right? That was what happened to me. My name is yeah. Um, I'm up both sides Rosa, of my family, right? Rosella, I'm named after my my father's sister Rosa, who passed away before I was. You born. know what I should wow. also, but also in the south of Italy, a lot of people don't realize this: the naming after the grandparents. The the exception to that is if a sibling wanted to name their firstborn after a sibling who had died while the parents were alive. So that falls within the naming tradition it because did. it did fall because, within the contract, yeah. right? Because the, uh, because the deceased, the mother who buried a child, the father who buried a child, would mm-hmm. have a grandchild named for the child who was buried, and that was that was like a real legislative cultural exception. But if you take it, our naming traditions are cultural because they're tribal. Yeah. So you know, my grandmother and her sister were named after her two aunts who never got married and had children. So their names were lived because they had two nieces that were named for them. So that's so much indicative of who we are that we just, the tightness of the family, I'm going to give one of my children your names. I mean, if you take stories in the south of Italy of couples who couldn't have children, 
and maybe a sibling who had a lot of kids basically would give them children. Yeah. And say, That was know, very common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here, here, take one of my children and you adopt them so you have a child. That happened to my grandmother's sister. Wow. They had no kids and they went back to Italy, went to Sanza, and adopted one of our cousins. And I love her to death. My cousin's here and she's been a part of my life my whole life. But the American system is so different because the American system is... Where our system is, we're going to we're always putting pressure to ingrate you back into the tribe, back into the family. Well, that's why in these small towns in Italy, everybody has the same same name. name. Sure, yeah. absolutely. In, in Mola, everyone's named Nicola or Leonardo <laughs> or uh, you know. My just, family's got a hundred <laughs> Vincenzos. But that's why we have a million nicknames because how do you? In the families, it's it's Big John, Little yep. John, Baby John, Joseph yeah. John. You know that that's the mark of a that's a real Italian family. Yeah, you know? but true. the American system. Wants his distinct name because yeah. the American system is all about getting in the cow stogger wagon and going tens of thousands of miles yeah. from your family wow. and living in the middle of nowhere. Being that's, a, that's, a, that's a bomb drop. America pushes individuals. So yeah. if you tell American people, they're like, well, why would you want to give this kid the same name as everybody else? Why yeah. don't you name them Autumn so they're different? So they're all about pushing out and separating. We're all about enshackling as much as you can yes. right. to keep us together. Us. Yeah. And the American We pressure, know who you come from. Yes, sure. and my, so should you. My mother's named after her grandmother. And I, I, I made four or five of my, on my grandfather's side had girls, and they're named for their, the grandmother. So everybody had the same name, right? And American people thought that was ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know, you have an American Waspy society, and they're laughing. Why do you have four girls in this grammar school class with the same name? Yeah. Because of our grandmother. It was something else they mocked us for. But, you know, like my brother who's named for my mother's father, and my grandfather was named for his baby brother who died, and his baby brother was named for their grandfather. So my brother has a name. My, I mean, that's as far it as it ended up back. being the grandfather. Sure. But so yeah. my, my grandfather's name for his grandfather who's named for his grandfather. Yeah. And I, I said to Anthony one time, I said, you know, that's a heavy, I mean, you think about that. So this guy who died in 1918, my, or 1921, my grandfather's grandfather died in 1921, would he ever imagine that there'd be a kid walking around in 2019, almost 100 years after he died, carrying his name? It's funny you say that because, so my grandfather, Giovanni, is the third brother in his family. And he's named after his mother's brother who was unmarried and childless and so my name starts I, as far as I can get uh, at my great grandmother's brother and my uncle and I were doing some family research in the Brooklyn Eagle and so to Juwan came to Italy with them he was mentally unstable and he was one of, one of the only times I've ever seen anything about my family in any kind of press he was actually deported for trying to wow. kill my great-grandfather in Brooklyn, oh and yeah, he was crazy. He, Uncle John was crazy, my namesake. And then there's stories where my grandfather goes back during the war, and he's living out in the woods under a chestnut tree. His uncle John, and he goes to give him money. Hey, my grandfather's a soldier with the American forces, and he gives him all this Allied lira. And then the uncle goes in the piazza and throws it out to everybody out a window. Like the guy was crazy, and that's where my name comes from. But at least I know that. At least yeah, that's, it's yeah, a I mean, great like, story for you to be a part wacky, of. It's wacky, but I'm part of it, and I kind of love that. Well, one of the reasons that naming our son after his grandfather's wasn't really a debate, not only because we're both traditional, but for and my husband, we call him Drew. His name is Andrew. And he's the first in his a long paternal line to not be named the name his father has. And what happened was, when his family came from Alakudi, 
they were in Brooklyn in the 50s, 40s, 50s, and they very, very much wanted to be American. I, I find my father-in-law's family, they're, they're, very, they're very American to me. They're uh, Italian, though, from Brooklyn, from Carroll Gardens, but you can see that they were raised to kind of sift a lot of that out, proud as they are of where they yeah. come from and as much as they know about their ancestors and, and all of that. It's a very American style, and so when my mother-in-law was pregnant with Drew, Drew's grandfather basically said to his son, don't name him that name, don't name him after me, it's, it's done, it stops, no more. And they listened, and they named him wow. a very American name, like Andrew. And my husband hates that. He wishes he had been named what every male, you know, firstborn male Toronto in his, right. in his paternal line has been named. Why, why was that taken from me is kind of his outlook on it. Well, so we there was really no discussion when it came to what he, we were going to name our son. He's like, I'm bringing it back. But what did we think? I mean, I, I wasn't there, but like, I guess they thought, I mean, was it, is it a pressurized thing that you have to, to fit in? I, I can't go so. naming your son, you know. I think, but I, but I, think, I think back then, especially, definitely. And I think it. I think, I think yeah. an ethnic name at that point in this country, particularly an Italian American well, name, probably did serve as a barrier to entry in certain opportunities. Sure. You know, like look, Mario Cuomo was not accepted at any of the major law firms. You know, the guy was one of the most brilliant legal minds ever, and he couldn't get a job at most of the Mario. law firms. And it, Mario Cuomo. You know, what? I think it's hard for us to realize that because I met an Italian American businessman who changed his name in the 50s. He's in his 80s now. And um, he said, I, I, I could, no one would hire my company. Yeah. As soon as they saw my name, it's like, I didn't want, I didn't want to Amer fully Americanize my name. He goes, but I, you know, I had to feed a family type thing. Yeah, and what's nobody, he going to do? Nobody was going to hire me if they saw the uh, yeah. yeah. It's interesting to be where we are today and the topic of this show is like, okay, now we are a totally integrated, assimilated community and now it's like we have this choice of this duality like we choose what hat to wear that's the whole crux of this entire well, project it's like i grew up speaking italian before i spoke english i didn't have a choice both my parents were from italy so i went to school and i didn't know how to speak english and i mean i figured it out and i don't think it had any negative impact on my development I, I just don't. I well, mean, I, I think multilingualism is, is positive. I know, I know. You know but I mean? today, I still find other Italian Americans that could do that if they wanted to, and will tell me, "I will never do that because you don't want to confuse. I don't want to confuse my child." Whatever. What Dolores, you, what, this is. Yes. I just want to ask you because you're going to be the primary caretaker of your child. You have the opportunity to raise your child bilingual if you want to. I know I know Drew doesn't speak Italian as well as you do, or even a dialect as well as you do. But are you going to make the choice to raise the baby bilingual? Yes, I'm going to try my hardest. So don't talk to kid a tank. Talk to kid Neapolitan. <laughs> See, that's a different question now. Um, Uh-oh. Well, yeah. This just turned into don't a, a four-hour show. Don't well, sell it's out. it's really not about being a sellout. He all knows. Go it's around. that he... He will grow up having a better chance speaking proper Italian 
Proper then, time, right? Sell out. Proper will, time, right there. Stop, sell out. Stop. Sell out. I'm alright with that. Then he will. Because, then but that's the same mentality. You know what? But no, no, no. Who's he going to speak dialect with? When but, I was that, a, Patrick, that. when I was a little girl, no. I did not speak Molise. That's right. You spoke I, Italian. I spoke but, Italian, and I learned Italian from my grandmother, who had a sixth grade education, who could not speak Italian. Who didn't want you to speak Molise? But I Come had on. no idea that yeah, but, this poor woman. Didn't know the real language that she was trying to teach me. Right, I but this is no the but, I think but this is, is, and I took if, it upon if, myself. Italian is a dying no, one. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I took it. You upon didn't even myself. let me get out three words before you jumped. You jumped in. Go I ahead. Took, when I was 13, 14 years old, I started hearing <laughs> my dialect around me, and I made a concerted effort. Right. To learn it, and so it's very. Po- and now I speak better. Yeah, but, but, but than let, let's 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 work. Let's work. Let's work through this. Before she, go ahead and crucify me, number one. But I had the foundation. You got the cross. You got the nails. Italian down, exactly. which was All right, but let, let's let's have a exactly. real look at this. A moment. Let me get on my soapbox that I'm imputed to have by Rosella. So I'm getting on my happy soapbox. It's my special place. And let's look at this from a real academic perspective. Italian is a dying language. Right? Italian is a dying language for multiple reasons. Because Italy's not having babies. The Italians who are having babies are moving to other countries because they can't afford to raise their kids in Italy. English is becoming the lingua franca of the whole world. So Italian's real enemy is English, as every other language in the world. As we begin to, you know, I was supposed to go and I never went to Iceland, had a, a conference about a year or two ago, how Icelandic children in kindergarten are speaking English because all the social media is in English. So my whole thing is it's not like Italian is going to be... Uh, uh, the argument that Italian is going to be the business language of the future. Di- regional language dialects, so you want to call them die, because mothers, mothers are the people who make the determination of what their kids are going to speak, determine that another language is of, of a greater economic advantage. That but, has been t- tried every study, every book. You could fill the Empire State Building with books and studies that have backed this. But what I'm saying is this. There was a, how many Italians, I, 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 you know what, let's really go into the ring on this But one. listen, is Greek Build, a, I'm not a, done. A I, I, hold no, on, they still no. learn it? hold on, hold on. I'm going into the ring on this one because I think that the statistics back up my position. How many Italian Americans, and I'm going to throw this to John, come up who are boomers who say, I regret I didn't learn how to speak Italian because my parents, my parents and my grandparents were afraid I wouldn't learn English correctly. That's a ubiquitous answer. Okay. Yeah. Rosella, your English is pretty good. I you wrote how many I, books? I am you have a, a show, right? So did you speaking Italian? You speak good English. Right? <laughs> Dolores, 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 how old were you supposed to speak English? Five years old going to school? No, I mean, you had your siblings. Sure. You had your siblings. I wasn't like that. Right, I spoke English when you, I was you little. Had, you, you had, had siblings. And, older brothers mm-hmm. and sisters mm-hmm. who were already So how how old were your brothers when they started speaking English? I think the same. Your oldest sister. I think both of us, I think all of us grew up speaking both. All right, but you would definitely have an advantage being the younger one. But there was no, what I'm trying to say is that there's no, there's no, there's nothing that's going to, that's going to take away. Yeah, there's no If you back. learn the regional language first, which is your genetic language, then if you're learning, quote unquote, Italian, your grandmother didn't even basically understand that she felt that was going to put you at an advantage to learn. Where you, where, where your emotional language is more late. I mean, Dolores, your emotional language is, and, and English aside, your emotional language is Neapolitan. Your emotional language is not Italian. Mm-hmm. If you drop something, I mean, we could curse. We could have a lot of fun cursing on this. Yes, but, now, but, but if you drop, if you drop a glass, I know because we've had our own offline conversations. I know what you're going to say. 
And that's the tribal language. So to me, I'm not anti, because I know I've gotten a, a, another one from the, the chorus of letters. I'm not anti-Italian language, even though it was a language invented for wide television to unite a country that's probably never really going to be united. But <laughs> why is Neapolitan have to suffer? You know, oh, I don't want to teach my kid Neapolitan. You know, let's look at the, you, you know, know. I want to make, I want to make I, one point, Pat, to support Pat. Just, just thinking, putting on my anthropologist hat here. There's a much better chance that if you raise a kid, if you want them to be bilingual, and you raise them with English and the regional language, it's far easier for them to then go to into the academic system and study Italian using the That's base of regional language to become proficient or mm-hmm. expert in Italian mm-hmm. than the other way around. Mm-hmm. You're the exception you would to think that. So. No, 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 but the, I, get, I get the opposite from people when they come up to me. I get, oh, I, I know Sicilian, but I can't really speak Italian, and it's very... That's like my siblings. I feel the same way. And when I was in, in St. John's, and when I was uh, in Italian literature, and we were reading Leopardi, and we were reading Moravia, and we had to write papers, there would be kids that would write their papers in Sicilian. But my question oh, is... Oh, what a crime. My, my question what is... A, saying, what a I'm crime. I'm not saying Wait, what, what a crime. I'm not saying that like that. I'm saying that it was actually really difficult for me to learn Florentine Italian from the kitchen Italian that I was taught. And it was equally hard for me to learn proper Molise, you know, when I wanted to. The difference was that I didn't have to write papers in Molise. I had to write papers. That's where we got to change it. I had to write Trump. papers. That's where the change has to come. I want to read a paper. I want to read a book report in Molise. The assignments were to write papers in Florentine sure, Italian, which I did. And a lot of the kids that spoke Neapolitan or Sicilian or whatever didn't care. And they were like, no, I don't care. I'm going to write this paper in the language I want to write. It in. That's, that's a Neapolitan. Yeah, yeah but that's not the assignment. That's not the assignment. Sure, but so I, I feel I personally, my personal observation from kids that I observed when I went to school with them was that it made them a little bit lazy, and it made them, it, it, it instilled in them this this sentiment that like, well, I don't need to learn Italian. Yeah, but, this uh, is good uh, and for someone who took Italian in high school and, and college, how many kids took Italian because it was a sack out? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So they too. said, oh, I could take French, I could take Spanish. I also think they didn't care. I also think that a part, a big part of them didn't care, but they they had no desire to really learn Italian. Yeah, but that's but, separate. But my, let, me, let me serve as moderator here because we're, we're having a language conversation, which is great, yeah. but I want to get back to other Would stuff about Would you kiss the kids' ears if, uh, if it was a girl? Is that what you were going to ask No, I was not going to ask Six I, months, pierce their ears or no? Before we put an earring in the ear, I want to put a pin <laughs> in the conversation and just say, I suspect it's harder to find opportunities to learn regional languages than it is to find opportunities to learn Italian, standard Italian in an academic setting. That's, that's, that was my only Thank point. Thank you. And when this, were you done? I'm sorry. Yes, ma'am. You are? When this conversation initially started, that was where I was going to go, which is, A, I don't feel the authority in my command of the dialect to teach it which doesn't mean, it's not like, I'm not saying I don't want him to learn Napolitano. Sure. But That's not what I'm saying. I'm so, not saying that. What I'm saying is I do want him to learn Italian or Napolitano. He needs to learn one of them. And so I need to choose what I think is going to be more successful so that he doesn't grow what up. What are you basing instance, success on? My capacity. There's a few people. You, Gina Biancardi, there's a few people that have a very special place in my heart. That we can say stuff in Navidad and we find it funny. <laughs> and we get that. That's a glue we have. 
It's something special about our relationship. Mm-hmm. There's things that come to us in Neapolitan that would be contrived in Italian because it wouldn't be our first reaction. Mm-hmm. We can't lose that. It, it's too much of who we are. It's the last frontier in the battle. I am sure if we had this conversation in a Golden Girls America in 1980s, oh, what are you going to name your kid Salvatore for? That's an old name. Or, you know, why don't you name the kid like Sam? You know, well, we're beyond that, I think, in a lot of ways. But I think the language is the next hurdle. But it might be too late by the time we get there. Yeah, fair because enough. hopefully your child, your masculine child, <laughs> that you now bear within you, will be able to understand that joke in the I mean, you know, and this is like fairy tale, and we all yeah, we're talking about ideals. Exactly, you're talking about ideals, and I have I have a baby inside me that's about to come out in a few months, and I need to not be. To, I need to be thinking in realistic, like yeah, but how I, can don't, I, make I don't this think realistic. Happen? So you're gonna say okay? Yeah, but you Italians, not, like a, because the kid ain't gonna use it. The kid's using Neapolitan. And your mother's screaming upstairs, or you're downstairs, or whatever. That's a real living, working language, mm-hmm. right? So when she gets aggravated by somebody, she starts yelling, "You knock it down! I can't! I got this one call. I can't believe that." That's a real language. So your kid is going to understand the real language. And when your mother says something hilarious, the kid is going to get it. But that's fine. I mean, that's what—that's the next thing I was going to say, which is if he's around my mother and the other extended family members that we have who speak. The dialect that I don't have a problem with that. I, I totally hope he. Yeah, but you're going to be the king. But I can't read king. him books in Napoli. I have the little prince. <laughs> <of Napoli. laughs> He's going to get. I, hold on, people! I was just invited to her shower. I didn't know boys could come, but now I guess it's a new day and age. And I now know that Dolores's first baby book is going to be the Little Prince in Neapolitan, which I don't have a problem with. And we're going to sit around with the baby, mm-hmm. and we're going to have you read the Little Prince in Neapolitan. I will make sure <laughs> that your child... You know what? I'm going to make a commitment on air that I will supply your child with the Neapolitan children's books to show that, A, it's a real language, Great. and you can I teach your kid that. Neapolitan. I would love that. Pat, what was your first language? Did you speak? My grandmother would talk about people in Navidad. Wait, and does your brother speak Italian? My brother, my brother was very young when my grandmother died, so my brother's command is nowhere as good as mine. But certain things will come to me. No, English, I, I'm an English, uh, Anglophonic person, but certain things will come to my mind in Neapolitan before they'll come in English. Yeah, that's fair. Um, does that make sense? That's how yeah. I, I grew up listening to my grandparents. So, like, my grandma, like, I'm trying to think of sometimes I'll say things to people, and I think, um, because also, in the sense of translation, some terms don't translate. Yeah. Some terms, like, you couldn't translate that into English. It's how would you? All right, here we go. How would you say Like, it's a stupid thing. It's a stupid thing to do. Well, there are things that I can only say in the Italianish. Uh, yes, that's true. Molays, like you know, something's cheap in Italy. We don't have a term for like, oh, that this, this dress is that dress is cheap. That dress is cheap. We get it. We don't say that. So in like the Malay's English, we say "kadakasi a chap." We say "chap." That's great. Yeah, I think Rosella is a good example of how you can teach, and even me growing up, how you can teach your child dialect. And unfortunately, I don't. My son won't have the same community of Navajo speakers yeah, around him course. that I had. And Rosella, which she didn't mention in this show, but she's mentioned before, Rosella went back to Moladibadi every summer. I did. That's so, a, that's the big difference. Of course it is. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You're you, so so, listeners out there, it's important for if you're raising a child to try and get this child of yours to speak 
some form of its but ancestral language. But is the answer, so we ship the kids back to Bayano every year. <laughs> that's a, that's I, not I, a better way to go. Honestly, yes. Maybe on the day school ends, we're going to have two suitcases. Short of growing up with a community of Nabudans around you, like I did, or being sent to your grandmother who still lives in Italy every summer, it's, the dialect is a tribal language. Yeah, tribal. That is the key. And unless you it's have a, tribal, a yeah. tribe around you, it's very difficult to sustain in another country teaching that language. Yeah, but ha- but, and that's think, all but, there but, is but to think it. about this. But, I, 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 we all, but we all grew up around people who couldn't speak English, right? Or whose English was faulty, whether they be neighbors or relatives or cousins in North Jersey. So sometimes, can I tell you a funny story? It's a John story. And then we'll go back to like serious stuff. But I was on the Jersey Shore as a kid. And me and John have talked about the bedpan all the time. Mm-hmm. The polio container, which my grandma called that piece should do, right? <laughs> That's a so I knew that's that piece should do, right? That's so I may be a seven, eight-year-old kid. I guess I was in Seaside. I had to use the men's room. And I went into a pizzeria. And my grandma said, oh, go there. So I go into a pizzeria. And there's an Italian. She must have been the mother of the owners. So let's say the early 1980s. And I'm telling her, bathroom, bathroom, bathroom. And she's looking at me. I'm like, bathroom, I have to go to the bathroom. And I understood your time. I said to Apishadud. And she broke out laughing. <laughs> and she brought me to the bathroom. So the word had utility. Yeah. Right? So I, and I remember my grandmother dying laughing. It was considered like a very funny moment. But those people don't exist anymore. Yeah. Right? So even right. like, you know, there's Italian immigrant kids in New York now who speak flawless English. I think the pin in this is one of the projects we should have is Zio Pat's Neapolitan Summer Camp. We're done. Yeah. You want your kids to learn how done. Pat exactly is the camp counselor. Well, we do cartoons. Pat, yeah, Pat, we'll do you cartoons. come teach my son Nobly Don. That's going to be your job. We'll sit down with the Deal. book. We'll have the book. We'll I'll sign you up for that. The little I'll print. Come. You, want, you know what we'll do? We'll record you reading to the kid in little prints. Oh, that's a nice story segment. All right. I want to go to Rosella's point. This is a yes or no because my wife and I talk about this all the time. If you have a girl, do you pierce your ears when she's a baby? That's <laughs> an Italian thing in my mind. I, think I probably would, yes. Yeah, I think that that's a nice yeah. thing to do. Yeah. I like it. I meet people today that are like, it has to be their choice. And I'm like... Nah, come on. No, I'm the mother. I, 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 was, watch, I was watching this thing on the news about uh, this new movement where they say the, you need the kid's consent before you change your diaper. I'm like, okay. What? I need on, to, yes, I where... It, how does the kid... What kid wants to live in that? It's an infant. What, what consent? I mean, the kid doesn't know nothing. We've lost it. We've lost it. They're crying. They're telling you. Change yes, it. this is a, a, the, my point. I'm like, okay, now we've gone overboard. No, but, but the ear piercing, I think I must have been six months, not even. And and honestly, that was the only way you could tell that I was that's a girl. That's right. Yes. Yeah, who's a girl? Who's a boy? I mean, I have yeah. a great ear piercing story, too. My mother left me with my godmother, who put me in a stroller, walked me down to this close friend of ours house who she's still alive now she's 91 years old and had her pierce my ears in her kitchen could you imagine that today and now could they're like imagine? a little they're like a little <laughs> but yes right. you no i say that to, when i tell the, the story the i say can piercing. you imagine now like i leave my child with her godmother and the godmother takes her to get her ears pierced. associations would be called you know the other big question is god can that's great such thing. a huge. Yeah. Who are the godparents supposed to be? They're supposed to be your best man and maid of honor, right? Yes. Oh, I've never heard that. Yeah. No. Right? Yes. My, and yeah. the best Pomada man and maid of honor. We don't. Like we don't do that. We've never. We don't plus, do that in our family. Plus, at least for me, my mother, my mother's maid of honor was 
pregnant, when my mother was pregnant with me, and you couldn't name a pregnant woman to be godmother. Is that right? Godmother, godparents, there's a million of different rules. I didn't know. Oh, I, didn't yes. I mean, I, my, my, my dad's brother, my mom's sister, are my godparents, and we're also their maid of honor, right. yes, man. But I think that also was just sort of by default because right, that's right, what right. they had. But yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, years of ago, the first baby at least. They the don't first have to baby, be, yeah, the, the first, first baby. baby that it has to be your maid of honor investment. Your second baby, it's like. But that's what so you like, want. like now. But so, what about if you if your best man and maid of honor aren't Catholic? Then you just the conventions out the window. I mean, we never had. I mean, also years ago, you had so many kids that you could really cycle through. Cycle through and. You know, you could pay back a lot of debts through godparents as far as honoring people, you know. This one did this one and that one for me, and you know. Here's a linguistic question, Professore. My family uses the term compare compare for yeah. the godparent, but also the confirmation sponsor. Yeah. Who's really who really gets that title if they're not the same person? Go, Can you no, use that too? Kumbara is just a the Greeks. It, it all comes back to the Greeks. The naming tradition goes back to the Greeks, and the Greeks use the compare word. So. But Kumbada was a status more than a person. Gotcha. So, you know, it was the, the, the person who stood up for you when you got married. Yeah. The godfather of the child. But you see, confirmation was connected with First Holy Communion up until 1910, 1914. So you made communion and confirmation on the same day. Mm. So you'd make confirmation and that afternoon you'd make like, you'd make confirmation and then right after that you'd have mass and you'd make First Holy Communion. You know, this is so a, that this is another interesting question. You know, nowadays especially, right? The Catholic education system is is suffering. Um, I went to Catholic school growing up. It was the center of our town. Is that a choice nowadays for people? Like, is it still a default to send a kid to Catholic school versus public school? Uh, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal today because people take everything so much more seriously. Yeah. You know, in the it, Back then, it's like you. Well, I grew up in New York, so the the school that you're zoned for is the school that you went to, and usually, like families like you grew up around you, so you went to school with all your friends. Yeah. Now I feel like, especially in my neighborhood, sending your kids to Catholic school is the only way to ensure that your kids go to school with your friends' kids. Yeah. Because you all elect to send them to the same school. They're not just all organically sent to the same place. The the the. the engagement parents have with statistics and studies and results on education is so different than when we were kids. Like, yeah. I went to a good Catholic school. I'm sure my parents didn't know what the rankings were versus other Catholic. It was like, we're Catholic. It's the school in the area. We want the kid to get religion in class. So you go to Catholic school. I mean, like, I think about this, right? Here's a great question for our show. I'm on the board of the nation's only pre-K through 12 bilingual Italian and English school at the School of Italia Guglielmo Marconi in, in Manhattan. Now, it's a, it's a private school in Manhattan. Obviously, geographically, it's not for everybody. But if it was in your area, do you choose to send your kid to the Italian school? Because you're not just learning language, you're also learning culture. Well, in Diker Heights, there's a public that's right. yes, that's that right. is in Italian, my friend, actually. They fought to get that. If too. those yeah. places were near me, I would definitely seriously consider sending my child to them absolutely 100 yeah i think the idea of having the opportunity to send a kid to school where they can get some culture yeah. and be in yeah, it's, look, it's not horrible well and learn the language and learn language it. that was the first thing i wanted to do i i for those of you who don't know i went to st john's and i uh i majored in italian literature and secondary education and i wanted to be an italian teacher uh and i wanted to teach italian to people 
but then, you know, programs got cut every which way, and it's really sad that there, I can't rely on any kind of education system to teach my child Italian or to reinforce the Italian language. It's kind of all on me if I want my kid to know Italian now. Exactly, yeah. It, it's how it is. You know, yeah, but education, education is changing. I think that spending part of my life in the, indus- in the education industry, I'm more and more frustrated by the kids that I get. Who, they're very smart kids, but they don't know anything. Mm. And I don't know why. I mean, I hear stuff. I, I ask high school teachers, and I know there's a whole thing now with testing and test scores. Yeah. And there's also lots more concentration now on math and science than there's on humanities. But I think that in your kid's lifetime, um, there's going to be more options, and they're going to be radically different ways of teaching. Uh, I was talking to somebody who's coming up with an educational program where grammar schools, like, you know how we had, I don't understand it, and I want to say it on one of the classes. Like, you had English, and then you, like, might say, you began with reading, and then you had penmanship. Um, and this class, they're going to put, like, Engl- it's going to be middle school classes where English, quote-unquote, literature, history, and geography will be taught as one class. So maybe you'll read To Kill a Mockingbird and study the Southern United States mm-hmm. at the same time. And maybe the Civil War. I mean, and I was like, you know, I don't want to be judgmental on stuff that I don't understand. It might create a better product. Um, but I, w- I walked away and I said, wow. In, in some, some ways, I'm like, this is crazy. In some ways, I'm like, this is really brilliant. Um, but I think that things are coming out. So, like, God willing, you have a baby in 2019. By the time that kid graduates, high school would be, I don't know, what year would that be? 2038, 2037, 2038. That's going to be a very different, education may look very, very different. Yeah, it's true. The way we teach kids stuff. Plus, we've got to integrate technology. And That's so the, the whole, whole point concept. of this episode. So much is changing so rapidly. How do you preserve the core of the old ways? Like, my last question before we wrap this up is, you know, we talk about this a lot. It might sound hokey, but the idea of a family meal on Sunday, or in your case, yeah. you do it Tuesdays? Mondays. Mondays. In your case, Mondays, you know, everybody's busier and busier. How do you do that? And when you have a kid, is it more important to do it then so they get something of that? I understand I was, we were all blessed to grow up close to our families, physically co-located. It was easy to walk to Nona's house. We did it, you know, my Sundays were, there was no games on a Sunday no it was game. mass and then Nona's house but we can't we can't go on I, I'm gonna say this I know people are gonna say you don't understand how kids but we as a society can't go on this that we're on this continuous merry-go-round of activities I agree because when activities are wonderful with in, in, a, in a balanced way but then all of a sudden kids become like these scheduled I think the overt intrusion of athletics especially but other extracurricular curricular activities is an actual assault on the family unit. Open attack. Yes. Open. I agree with you. Veiled for some reason in right. some ways, but it is an actually an attack on the family and, and some kind of ploy developed by who, I'm not exactly sure, to, to destroy our families and yeah, family life. And that's what it does. Uh, how many... Family dinners, my nephews missed because of baseball. And, you know, no offense to any of my siblings listening to this show. I know I don't have kids yet, as you're fond of always telling me. <laughs> um, you know, just wait, blah, blah, blah. But 
I think the discipline is terrific in organized sports. I played sports. My brothers played sports. My husband. I'm not arguing that, but we also we weren't gone all summer, on the weekends, on Sundays, yeah. all night long. Hey, listen, listen, you know, I, I'm going to say something else. Somebody's going some to somebody's gonna flip out on this and go send your letters because God knows we get enough of them. But <laughs> I had students who said, uh, one student in particular I thought of, who academically was handicapped because they were a star athlete in high school and they were told, don't worry about school, mm. concentrate on practice because you're going to be a superstar mm. in college. And they were a superstar college athlete. They had no study skills. They didn't have the, you know, they, they, a right. huge part of, of their education was missing. And I said to myself, like, you know, where have we come to, you know, where they're like, oh, don't, you know, you're a star athlete. Don't worry about the school stuff. But right. and, and then know. what? Does this guy go pro? No, probably exactly. not. Sure. And let me say, in that case, Sandy Koufax, one of the greatest pitchers in the history of baseball, wouldn't pitch in the World Series on the Sabbath because it was faith. That was his day of rest. There's something to be said about values. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I totally respect well that we want these kids to be engaged. This is when the games are. This is, but you know what? Did not get... First of all, you're not... You are the parent. You have the authority. And... Again, I'm not a parent, so I may get crucified for this. But at some point, we have to exercise that authority and that that awareness of, of the wider world to say, you know what, this may not make you happy. First of all, you're not in the majors, so you're not going to get thrown off the team for not being there on Sunday. Secondly, this is better for you. And, and, and that's a parent's choice. They have the subjective choice, whether or not they think it is better. But right. if you believe that a day of macaroni with your grandmother, and, and those of us who've had it, I think, believe absolutely is important well you know what if you do it as your own nuclear family in in your house together family time it doesn't have to be the same trappings and and traditions but the sanctity of the sabbath from a religious and a social perspective when we lose that it it takes away so much from these kids it's just not fair to them the pressure the, the the absence of what you get from that i mean i will never forget and it's it's even emotional to share this with the audience, but uh, my grandfather, who I saw pretty much every day, died when I was 16, and we went to his house every Sunday, and it was my cousins and my aunts and uncles, and we did the same thing. We watched baseball, went to Mass, went outside, had macaroni, and the last Sunday he was alive, I had a girl in high school that I had a big crush on, and she asked me to come to some school event or whatever with her. Cause of shame. And I I went. And I went. Something in a cause of shame. (laughs) And I went with her. And I remember waving to my grandfather after Mass. He never went to Mass. He just dropped my grandmother off and picked her up. And I said something like, you know, Grandpa, can I go? You know, and he didn't. He was like, absolutely go. He knew I liked this girl. And that was his last Sunday. And I didn't have it with him. And I had eight million of them before that. And I know I had, I was the oldest. I spent so much time with them. But that stays with me. Because if now I would trade my left arm, my left leg, my left ear, my left eye, and everything mm-hmm. else, and maybe both my arms, mm-hmm. to have one more plate of macaroni with my grandfather right. and to ask him all the questions I haven't asked him since he died when I was 16. I didn't understand that back then. Right. And so when a kid makes a decision because right. they want to be part of the team, right. that's not a decision the kid's ready to make. Right. doesn't understand the implications of that. And no. I'm going to say something else. I totally agree with what you're saying, John. Another thing is they don't have pickup games. Mm-mm. So every game they have has been coordinated by an adult. That's also true. That's like a, a, that's turned this into a mini industry. So they don't go outside with their friends and take a bat and a ball. No. And a, and admit and go out in the field and play and and you know because part of 
part of these things are formation. So if you get in a, a fight, if you if you're playing baseball as a as as friends, and you have a group of ten or twelve year olds out there, and then you know someone runs into home plate, and then they, they fight over was it, you know were they out were they tagged out by the time they got there. They have to resolve that. That's part of education. Yeah. They never have those moments because there's somebody, a licensed umpire whose job is to turn this into like a, a, a mini a major league game. Like we don't even the pickup culture. I remember how gone. funny it was. So in Brooklyn, like nobody was on sports. My brother and I hated sports. I think my brother played basketball, sort of. But I don't remember him being on a team. And like I, I, I mean, for those of you who know me, I am not. <laughs> athletically inclined um but so so in brooklyn like none of the kids that i knew had these issues we were never we were always home on sundays when we moved to new jersey then everybody was on a team of some sort suburban yeah yeah it was totally a suburban thing but seeing my parents like totally not know what the hell to do in these (laughs) scenarios i wish i had all of those moments on tape because all of a sudden my brother was on a real basketball team, um, and they would be like, "Lenny, how come your your parents never come to the games?" And he's like, "Well, huh. yeah, I I, I yeah. remember mothers yeah. like they had the mothers that would cut the oranges and stuff, and I'm like, what the heck is going on?' <laughs> the you oranges, know? my mother would have been making like meatball sandwiches, <laughs> and, and like I was a cheerleader for five minutes for five only because not enough people tried out that year, guys. <laughs> but like my mother didn't know that she was supposed to come to the games because we tried. Can I take something out suburbia? Like try to create a new tribe. Yes. Because the message was, leave your family in the inner city, move to a new place where we're going to give you new names, like, uh, like, like, you know, new non-ethnic names, and you're going to blend in, and you're not going to really, you're going to know your neighbors, but really not that well, and they're not going to be related to you, and you're going to be polite, and we're going to replace your old tribe by a new tribe. So all of a sudden, the, the baseball moms become the family. Yeah. So you never see your aunt. You see her at Christmas and maybe Easter and maybe at Thanksgiving, but you see the the, the team moms constantly. So when you grow up, you're gonna who are you gonna be closer to? The team mom or the aunt you never saw? You they know, rebuilt our society completely contrary to who we are. I just remembered hmm. something that was so funny. So for that five minutes that I was a cheerleader, they I remember them giving us jackets, and I hated my name at this point. I must have been eight or nine years old. And I did not put Rosella on my jacket. Wow. I put my middle name Regina because it was more mm-hmm. like rec- Americanly recognizable. Wow. Yeah. I still have that jacket that says Regina. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. Name. Yeah. That's, that's aggressive. And it was that like was an like American no bomber jacket. Oh, like, yeah. I remember thinking, oh, my God, like, it's just like the ones that they have on Saved by the Bell. That's, I, when I wrestled in high school, I was the... This little midget of a ninth grader, the lightest kid out there, and but there was no other light kid, so I got bumped up to the lowest weight class, and I made varsity the first year. Hey. And my gra- you, my grandfather bought you, me my Letterman's jacket. I'll never forget that. You know what I think is responsible for this? The dawn of television. Yes, it's a lot of it. Because everybody sat down every night, and a model American Americana, yeah, uh, Ozzy and Harriet, nuclear family, people who had no aunts, uncles, or grandparents that were ever seen. Yeah. Full House was just every all the kids were blonde, and yeah. you know everything was perfect. It, it reprogrammed us because the World War II generation grew up with radio, um, but that wasn't as number one. You had a tang radio. You had like you know WBOX and stuff that had a tang language program. But for the American kids who wanted to be American, I don't think it had the cultural influence that television did. Like, could an Italian, could an Italian family relate to 
you know, Ozzy and Harriet or Leave It to Beaver? To what extent? Only, only aspirationally, I think. I think that's the point of it. I think that was the. But dream. it told us that they're, and it's not critical, but it gave the message of they're the ideal you want to aspire to. Right. Yeah. Beaver. Well, We're gonna call you Beaver. But you know what? <laughs> Honestly, it's actually. I didn't so say Beaver much, not it's so much easier <laughs> now because think about it then. It's, I didn't say Beaver Molay. <laughs> I'm not even going to acknowledge that. It's amazing if she knows how. So when when I was little, if my mother wanted to show me Italian cartoons, she would have to have VHS tapes of them. Yeah. And physically put them on. And today you can go on YouTube and you have access to all these great, you know, Italian language yeah. cartoons and songs. And, you know, maybe your kid's not going to sing Baby Shark. Maybe they're going to get excited by If you go out to non-Italian Americans and you ask them to qualify us, what sticks out about us? I think they say family. Yes, family I would imagine. I think if you ask our, ourselves. And we're proud. That's what we're proudest of. And I think that that's the biggest enemy we have. Because mm-hmm. to build a family, it takes time, and time is an investment. And you have to live by them and see them and engage with it's them. It's a lot of work. And if you're not around them, if you see cousins twice a year, oh, you know, do you see them at Thanksgiving? We'll, we'll see your mother, you know, we'll see Christmas at grandma's. Yeah. And how do you have a relationship with someone you see twice a year? That's the beauty of the whole thing, and that's a great way to end this episode. I think this is the theme of everything we've talked about in the history of the show. You can change the language. You could change the setting. You can change the country. You could probably even change the food. But at the core of it all is that incredibly safe and tight family unit. And this is probably the first generation in the entire story that's facing a world increasingly pushing people apart changing what it means to be family and I'm all for different kinds of families and I get that this is not this is not about that it's about whatever your family is putting it at the core of who you are and putting something greater than yourself and we live in a world that tells you to put yourself at the center of your world and it's not the trappings it's the message and it's the core and it's the essence and that's what really needs to be preserved with kids or without. And ultimately, it takes a village to raise a child. Sure we, shall, we We need to uh, do this episode in 10 years again when most yeah, of us... Bomb. Amen. When most of <laughs> us have here, right? children Amen. Who, have, who are in school because as the only one here about to deal with like real parenting issues, I think this whole conversation is great. But I think when you're in it, and you have a child, and they're in school, and all his friends are playing sports, and yeah. they're playing all these leagues, and you're, you want the best for your kid, and you don't want him to, quote, fall behind, yeah. it's very easy to just do it, because you live in this society. Yep. So that, you know, that's the bigger concern for me. Like, I don't lay awake at night worrying about probably what most mothers worry about. I worry about things like that. You know, will I, will he be as close to his family as I was? Will he experience those joyous dinners with uh, the extended family or will my family have moved on because everyone's getting older. My nieces and nephews are so much older than he will be. They'll, they'll be in college. Am I going to kind of just get lost in this shuffle of, doing things the way they're done around me because it's difficult. So that 
That's like a dot, dot, dot. That's an ellipsis. That's the question. Are you going to bring the podcast into the delivery room? <laughs> you, you. We'll bring you. We'll bring your voice. For we can do a live. Your face is exactly what she wants to say. No, I Drew, love podcasting, but no. No, Drew can handle like the coaching. Like, come on. Your, your mother, your sister. They what can are do you going to do? We could do a live, like, coming to you. I don't think you guys want to be in there. No, no, thank you. I love you, but no, thank you. And as a boy, say, he's here. We should start a club where, like, one of us cooks every are Sunday. You God spares, we have kids we can cycle through. At least we know I we have I love that job. idea. I love that And then idea. we're going to fight over the right meat. That's perfect. Yeah, that's true. You know, Who makes fresh all with eggs? Like that actually, I just felt like a feeling in my heart at oh. that idea. Well, you're always invited to my place. I really did because that would be the one environment I feel like in this day and age where our kids would really feel the way we felt growing up. But you know what I remember about growing up is like we did have those the mola clubs. That, yeah. You know, now there are five. Back then there were only three. But um, they used only to, only the Malaysians grow. Split off and grow. Right? Well, they grow. They it's the vision. Yeah, it's the that's how tiny clubs but grow. But they all have a Christmas party and a Halloween party and an Easter party and and. So yeah, like, well, hold on. I think that goes back to birth control. Be cool. Oh, <laughs> no. Can I just finish the nice no, story? That, 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 can I just finish the nice story? Can I just, for, for the love of God, Patrick, oh for the God. love of God, that, no, tell me it's not about, about birth control. Yes. It's <laughs> about that we would all be together at all these parties, and it would be like one of us, one of the, you know, one of the drunk parents would dress up as Santa Claus, and you know, all the kids would get presents. But we were always at our own things. Yeah. We were always can at I, our can own I, events. Can I go now, moderator? I'm going to tell you why it's connected to birth control because I thought a lot about this. You have any You're, stronger than water. Well, actually, hold on a minute. I, uh, Calm down. Yes. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> Your mother, because when you had 10 or 12 siblings, you were conditioned to be around people all the time. In the world of only children, like, they didn't right. know. Thank You're you. Right. I know I'm right. Thank you. That's why I'm <laughs> so I'm trying to say is my grandmother, one time she told me, oh, she talked about sleeping with my aunt when they were kids, like the three or four of them in the bed. And I was like, wow, it dawned on me, my grandmother was never slept in the bed alone until she was widowed. Wow. Because she lived as a, as, a, wow. as a girl. They would all sleep in the same bed. Because she told me once I had a fight with her sister in the bed because they were mad over... That's a long story, but they were little kids. So you lived... You'd have three girls in one bed, four girls in another. Then if uh, you had a, a grandmother who had nowhere to live or an aunt, she would sleep with you in the house. Then you went and you got married and you slept with a spouse. So... What I'm trying to say is they were always together. Yeah. Could any American kid today conceive of not only not having their own room, but not even having their own bed? Yeah, sure. So what I'm trying to say is I think that all those parties, and I agree you 100%, because I think my grandparents always liked to be with people because they, they, they felt thrown off when they were alone. That's my mother's like that. Yeah. So what I'm saying is if you're always with 15 kids, yeah. all of us, and I, all four of us at this table, I can say for myself, because... We, we came from a different period. We have a much different sense of alone time and privacy than they did. Yes. Yeah. We don't have the same desire to constantly... Maybe that's something we're missing. My, yeah. my mother's friend is in it. That needs people all yeah. over the place. The one that, that uh, won the lottery. And what she did with that money was create you know a club of her own. And she was just constantly inviting... 20 and 30 people over feeding them the, the wine, everything. Midnight I, I, comes, oh, let's all make spaghetti. It was, a, it was a constant party, and she just needs 
people. It's my dad, my dad, my dad and his friends still get. To, I mean, look, you and I now sure. hang out. My dad and his friends, they go mm-hmm. on vacation every summer. They go to the club and they, they bought a club. They cook together. They they, they raise each but other. Are we in the, in the village? But us being formated in a suburban world, where you live on a cul-de-sac on a quarter of acre of land, where if you scream, your neighbors aren't going to hear you, where you have a different sense of privacy. Are we formating, and I'm, this is not a criticism, that's kind of no, one question, of the other yeah. questions. Are we formating kids and I say, I'm used to, you know, like how, how so there's parts of rural America, people can't stand living on top of each other. Are we formating kids who are not, I say, wow, uh, there's 35 people in this room I can't handle, I just want my away space. I think a lot of it has to it now is that we just don't have a lot of children screaming, yelling, all in the same house with five different relatives on different floors. It, it makes an impact. That's why I'm bringing it up with birth. These are deep science, in my opinion. These are deep questions that have played out because I got Kumada there who likes to have the spaghetti party. Some people are used to being with people all the time. And maybe we've created a new world, a new person that doesn't have that need. I'm done. I get, I get picked. <laughs> if you're out there, they pick on me terribly. No, they pick on me on air and it's worse. But listen, that's the, that's the point of the show. We don't have the answers. We don't have kids. We don't know what's out there. We're not, we're not criticizing those who do it differently. What we're really saying is we Among, come here to amongst eat. the questions, <laughs> we, did come we here only eat. come here to eat. We have to make an excuse of why we come here to eat. Amongst the questions like <laughs> how do you how do you stop the kid from crying at night? For those of us who want to preserve who we are, should be these questions. That's really what we're asking: is what are the questions? Yeah. What, what what are we thinking about? And sharing them with you out there. Now we have a special ending to this episode. Can I say something first? I thought you were going to sing. No, I want to say one thing. I think we should have a fundraiser and sell tickets into the delivery room. I'm on not. Oh that's my terrible. god! This poor lady alone. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Oh you want to sing us out? Tell us the song you want to sing. Your first reaction when you found out she we was should pregnant. have a pay for play. Oh a pay for play shower. Oh, the poor lady. That'll be the end of the show. She'll never come back. <laughs> Anyway, Todd, I promise none of our listeners want to be in the <laughs> sure. No, we're going to have a shower. We're going to tag every shower. Ticket all, a ticketed event. The Italian American shower. I shower. A shower. I shower. Perfect. I'm done. How are you going to sing us out? What's the song? Tanabanza. That's. She's, I, I'm not going to sing Tanabanza. But I think that's a very appropriate a Neapolitan song for a Neapolitan woman. Tanabanza. How's it go? Tanabanza, 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 Tanabanza. <laughs> I think this. It's not a really. What does deep. it mean, though? Tell everybody what it means. A colloquial form of she's pregnant, the Am I right with that? Literally translated meaning she, she has she, a belly. She has a belly. Yeah. yeah. Made famous by the, the by Sophia Loren in the film yesterday, today, tomorrow. Bravo. See, that's what we have. You you know, we never give you credit for being the Italian literary giant that you are. You have you a give diploma. Me credit all the time enough. That's oh, all you give her too much credit. Don't worry. No, she deserves. Oh, I am. All right, everybody. Uh, we're, we're to, let you, to let you like go, podcast thank you for being here. Tenabanza, tenabanza, tenabanza. Do we have rights to play that song? Yeah. 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 Yeah.